Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. I'm Molly. Molly, would you agree that the contents of someone's handbag or messenger bag or backpack, what have you, says a lot about that person. Oh, I agree. It's so fascinating to think like what people have in their handbag. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid growing up, for instance, like my mom's handbag was totally off limits. It was this kind of sacred object that you could only go into if previously allowed. If you had permission. And if you wanted to have some money from your mom, you'd take the entire purse to her as opposed to just taking the $5 on top. Right. So, I mean, I do remember being a kid and thinking, what is in there that is a secret of this adult world? And I know some guys who are weird about going into girls' purses, too. They don't they don't want to, like, reach in and then find something horrifying. Like we have tampon like traps tampon, or something. Like a tampon, like an old tampon. Um, and uh, so, since, uh, since we're doing this in Atlanta, we're from Atlanta, wanted to uh, give a shout-out to this one cool photography project that this area photographer, Jay Trav, has done. He's gone around and he's taken hundreds of pictures of people and he has their headshot. And then with that photo, he's got a picture of their bag, whether it's a handbag or messenger bag, whatever, their bag, and then all of its contents laid out really nicely. And it's so fascinating to see how these people match up with what's inside their bags. And you feel like you know them, despite the fact that all you can see is their headshot. Right. I mean, you definitely start to form these backstories about, you know, the tattered paperback that's in the yeah. backpack versus, you know, <laughs> yeah, we found a there, normal cell phone. There was, there was one guy we found, yeah, with like a, he had a, a tattered, a tattered paperback and an extra bike wheel tube and, uh, rolling tobacco. You know what I mean? Like all of these, all these types of things in his bag and in the girls with this this fascinating array of cosmetics and magazines and all sorts of things. What do you think the most unique thing in your handbag at any given time is, Kristen? My most unique thing? Oh, man. I don't know. I try to keep it simple in my handbag because uh, otherwise I'll just fill it up with all sorts. It becomes my trash receptacle. It becomes my, like, overnight bag. It becomes it really like my gym bag, everything. And I don't even go to the gym. So <laughs> just, just in case bag. News. Yeah. Well, the topic for the day is handbags, purses, mm-hmm. uh, it bags, what what women carry and what what it means. Yeah, because before we started researching this and Molly found so many great resources for this article, I had no idea that purses have such an extensive history. For instance, they have paintings dated from 480 B.C. that show people carrying bags. I mean, they're not necessarily like Louis Vuitton purses, <laughs> but still they're the predecessors. Exactly. And guess who was carrying all the bags in those early paintings? The guys, kind of like how men were the first to wear high heels. Exactly. Yet again, these handbags. little, you know, it was not like that we're confusing like suitcase versus purse. Like the men were carrying these little purse like mm-hmm. pouches and these little pouches were always very useful. Like for example, one of these ancient paintings shows, you know, a, a farmer carrying seeds from one side of the country to the other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always had the purse and the handbag has always had this idea of being of use, of helping you out when you are, you know, getting from one place to another. Mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, like you said, it's got this long history, but now it's got all this loaded metaphor symbolism in it as these handbags have taken off. And now they cost as much as a year of college. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to unravel all that. And um, one thing that I didn't think about was the one of the main reasons why purses, this idea of bags, these utilitarian bags, have such a long history, too, is because they preceded pockets. Yes. It took a long time for us to figure out that pockets would be a really great <laughs> idea in clothes. But it seems like even now that we've figured out pockets, men have been like, okay, we'll use the pocket. We'll put yeah. the Blackberry in one pocket. Mm-hmm. We'll put the wallet in the other pocket. And women, despite buying these, you know, jeans with all these pockets, mm-hmm. or you can buy the really cute sundresses with pockets mm-hmm. now, we're still lugging around the bag. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Well, I don't know. Maybe it goes back to, say, the 15th century. The 15th century does have one of the sweetest tidbits of handbag history. Yes, men used to give their new brides these elaborately decorated purses. And they were usually embroidered with an illustration of a love story. Isn't that sweet? It's kind of sweet. I kind of like that that tradition to come back, though I don't know if I would trust a guy to pick out a bag. And that's what's so interesting Ooh. is because the, these have become such gendered objects. Yeah. Despite the fact that earliest the earliest bags were unisex, these have moved into definitive gender territory mm-hmm. to the point where Kristen and I were wondering, are these bags signs of female power or do they hold us back because they're so heavy and filled with junk and we can never find what we need? What is what is in our handbags and why? Well, if we go through handbag history, and there is actually a lot of handbag history out there, handbags really came into the mainstream in terms of being this wardrobe staple that women had to have when they started leaving the home for work in the 1940s, once World War II was out and the guys were out, and then then the women had to take their places in the workforce, so they started leaving the home more, so they needed handbags. So in that way... You could see it as a symbol of women's progress. Because that was really the first time that women were leaving the home. You know, mm-hmm. before that time, their their place was in the home with the children. Or before they got married, they'd be going out on these dates where you would just carry essentially just like the smallest little bag mm-hmm. you could. It might hold like a lipstick and a cigarette. Mm-hmm. But you would not carry money because at that time, your your male escort would pay for your dinner and your exactly. drinks. And uh, there was this one quote um, in a 1982 book called Bags and Purses, where um, a woman who complained that tiny evening bags would not hold both cosmetics and a cigarette case was told, any woman smart enough to carry this tiny handbag is sure of an escort who will provide the cigarettes. Oh. So, you know, you, you just didn't need a big bag because the man was handling everything for mm-hmm. you. So it really is this gender shift in that the bigger the handbag, the more independent you are. Probably because if it's big, you've got some files in it from work. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, all your money from yeah. going to work. Your bag's full of money. And so I think that that does show sort of the the big gender shift in that big pocketbook equals big power. But at the same time, though, we have Jermaine Greer arguing that shouldering luggage is an ancient female habit born of servitude. But I would like to say... Greer, you might want to look uh, look at handbag history because really it wasn't born of servitude, but more born of fashion because 
those kind of bags became um, more necessary just style-wise when um, the the big kind of voluminous fashion of the Elizabethan era, the big dresses where they could hide different pockets under skirts and things, gave way to post-French Revolution, very um, slender neoclassical silhouettes that didn't have any space for these additional pockets. So... So you poo-poo at Jermaine Greer. I don't want to... I don't really want to open up that can <laughs> of worms. I'm putting words in your mouth. But I think that... Yeah, I don't... I, I think that it's... um, I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch. You know, maybe... Here's another stretch I want to throw out at you. All right. Here's what old Sigmund Freud said about handbags. That they are a symbol of a vagina. Of course he did. Because especially, as you said, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, as more women are going to work, mm-hmm. that putting this huge thing on the outside of you is just saying screaming vagina. It can be open and closed. Yeah. you put When you put something in into it. it, he said that was a metaphor for sex. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's it's just another uh, blow to the to the idea that, that bags are unisex. They become this very... Um, big symbol of, I guess, the ultimate symbol of being a female, the vagina. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, we've talked about in the past how when you go into the workplace, sometimes you feel like you can't be too feminine, that you've got to keep up with the guys. Right. And you may be wearing, you know, a very conservative button-up suit, and you may be feeling like, I can't express the fact that I'm a woman at all. But this allowed women who still wanted to be feminine to march in with their vagina bag and say, hey, I'm here. I am woman. Hear me roar. And here is my $3,000 Louis Vuitton vagina. Okay. <laughs> but, that, that, should we talk about pricing? Because these bags are expensive. Well, it depends on, you know, the old thrifty nickels like us might not be shelling out for um, these kind of bags. But yeah, bag prices, as most people know, can just get out of control. And uh, we were doing some research about some of the most iconic brands, like the Chanel 2.55, the Birkin bag, the Fendi baguette, mm-hmm. and how when you when you shell out these th- tens of thousands of dollars, you're really buying a lifestyle. You know, you're buying the bag that you saw Jackie O wear, or you're buying the bag that you saw Lady Di wear, mm-hmm. and how that that becomes this external marker for the values you believe in. And there was this one article that said, no matter what else you're wearing, if you're just wearing the um the crappiest sweatsuit you can find, Mm -hmm. you're still saying something to the greater world by the label on your back. Right. And even if you're dressed down, you'll assume if you're carrying around, you know, a $10,000 Birkin bag, all right, you must be rich. So we've got, so now we've come up with a few signifiers of what this bag means as you're walking down the street. One, it's saying, Hey, I'm feminine because it's a vagina and because men don't, don't carry them. According to Freud, according to Freud, Two, we're saying that it shows affluence mm-hmm. and, and social class. Well, depending on the bag. Depending on the bag. What else will people think of when they see that bag? So now we've got a few things, a few signifiers you're sending out when you walk down the street carrying a bag. You're, you're proclaiming financial independence because it's got this history associated with women going into the workplace. Mm-hmm. You're so associating yourself with femaleness in general because old Freud and his vagina theories and just um, the fact that men don't carry them. You're showing off social class if you have a really nice bag or if you have a really crappy bag. And those those finer eyes among us can say, ooh, mm-hmm. she did not pay that much for that bag. That's a knockoff. But you're, you're showing basically, I guess, the best life that you want to live. If you do have a bag that was inspired by a celebrity icon or that's the, the newest thing on the market, you're showing that you're a person that pays attention to that 
And it's, it's just, you know, it's an outward symbol of who you are, despite the fact what we talked about at the beginning, that the inside of it is so private and intimate. Yeah. But do you really want the outside symbol of who you are to be, you know, a piece of crocodile leather that you bought for like $25,000? No, because crocodiles scare me. <sighs> and that's why I will never have a crocodile bag because I think even in my warped little mind, I would think it was going to come back alive and kill me. Okay. So let's, let's call it a calfskin. How about, <laughs> how about a, a, a calfskin Birkin for $37,000? Well, here's where, where, here, here's where things get tricky because before we came in here, Kristen and I were trying to decide if these bags are, you know, a way to symbolize equality in that women are out in the world more Mm -hmm. or if they just hold us back because all they do is invite judgment and and they invite back pain and shoulder problems. They do invite back pain and shoulder problems. This is true. There has been a, there's been a rising tide of women who carry these gigantic bags and have to go to chiropractors and physical therapists. And uh, if you do carry a big bag, a few tips, you're going to want to obviously switch shoulders yeah, because it'll make you walk with one shoulder lower than the other and totally throw your back out of alignment. Uh, you also need to have good posture and keep those shoulders up and down mm-hmm. instead of just letting yourself get all hobbled. And so if you're curious about, well, how, how heavy of a bag can I bring in? Come on, women. We know when the bag's getting too heavy, but we suffer through it anyway. But the American Chiropractic Association recommends that a handbag weigh no more than 10% of your body weight. Good luck. Yeah. And, you know, they, they have these tips, and I don't know if they're practical or not, like things like clean out your bag every week. But that's just like cleaning out the most intimate part of yourself. Yeah. Can you really do that on a weekly basis? Now, not only is there a chance that wearing a too big of a bag could lead to back problems, things like that. But according to a study that Molly and I found, wearing the wrong kind of bag could also do damage to your morals, to your soul, to your core values. Because if you are trying to avoid those costly bags, what do you do? You you plan a trip to New York City. You go to Canal Street. Yeah. And you get a cheap knockoff bag. Well, uh, Professor Dan Ariely from Duke and who's at Duke and MIT, he was given this Prada bag after he spoke at some conference and he noticed how that bag made him feel different. And so he wanted to see what's going on here is, is a designer item so much more different than a knockoff. And he found that the people who buy the counterfeit goods, the people who do go to Canal Street or just, you know, buy the, buy the cheapo, they are more likely to cheat on tests. Mm-hmm. And what he did to do this was he he told some people they were wearing fake designer sunglasses, and he told other people they were wearing the real ones. And the real the people wearing the real sunglasses were more likely to be moral, upstanding citizens and not cheating on the test. And so he finds that just the first knockoff that you buy is when this when this drop in authenticity overall in your life begins to happen. Right. All it takes is is one one fake coach. And uh, you are on the slippery slope. And he's, he was talking just in general about how brands define us. And not, it doesn't have to be the brand in terms of Prada or Coach, but he put also people in T-shirts that said generous or stingy. Mm-hmm. And so in the first part of the experiment, he put the, the generous or stingy on the outside and found that people really did live up to those those labels, that if they were wearing generous, they gave 25% more money to um, people on the street than the stingy ones. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas when you put the label on the inside, and so only the people wearing the shirt knew if they were generous or stingy, um, the difference wasn't as marked that this, the generous people only gave 20% more than the stingy people. So there is something about knowing what you're wearing and knowing mm-hmm. that your bag costs $30,000 yeah. that makes people act different. And, you know, that's not some sort of endorsement of buying a $30,000 bag, nor is it an endorsement of buying a $50 bag. It's just something to think about. Well, yeah, it's amazing to know how, what a psychological effect that, that brands do have on us and as a consumer culture and how, how strongly we identify with them. Because at the same time, um, with all of these studies, he also found that, let's say, Molly, I find just such a great fake Fendi baguette. All right. And I buy it for you. And I'm like, Molly, I wanted to give you this extravagant gift of a Fendi. Fendi bag. Here you go. Knowing full well that it's a, a knockoff. If you don't know that it's a knockoff, oh, I'll be fine. You'll be fine. You will get all the psychological benefit of, you know, ignorance is bliss of thinking that you are toting around just the hottest bag. And I'll be thinking, man, Kristen is so nice. I know. And I'm going to be thinking Molly's totally buying me lunch sometime. <laughs> but you know, one fun fact about Fendi bags and baguettes is that the reason you saw them on Sex and the City so much is because the Fendi people gave the Sex and the City customers and props people just free reign of the store. Mm-hmm. And that was a smart choice because yeah. how many times was that name dropped on that show? And how many times did women see the show then go out and drop their cash on a Fendi bag? Which, again, I think brings us back to this way in which these these bags and these designer bags in particular have become um, so associated with women. And, you know, this is the question of the day and why we want to hear from you guys. Is this a good thing? Or is it a bad thing? Is it a sign of female power because you take yourself out into the world to the workplace with your glamorous bag and you live a glamorous lifestyle? Or are we just holding ourselves back by aligning ourselves with something so kind of silly? Or is it just a, you know, is it just a bag? Is it a convenient way to carry your wallet and cell phone around? Exactly. I mean, it, it is convenient. Yeah. But it, can it be too convenient? <sighs> That's the question. But you know what? No matter... Where you fall on that spectrum, you probably have quite a few handbags. Yeah, this is true. This is, yeah, the perfect fun fact to, uh, to end on. The average woman will have 111 bags in her lifetime. Can you believe that? 111. Mm-hmm. I wonder when they start counting. Because I had a lot of handbags when I was five, Kristen. I don't know about you. That was probably the time in which I had the most handbags in my life. I know. I kind of feel the same way thinking about the, uh, the old dress up box with like 85 old discarded purses. But, you know, um, for other women, that number continues to be consistent throughout their lifetime. Well, Molly, maybe one of the reasons why we have to buy so many handbags throughout our life is that uh, 50 per- 53% of the women in that survey, in that British survey, also admitted that they had lost bags in the past. That's true. So you would think that when you're spending that much money on a bag, you'd keep your eye on it. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe part of it, maybe that number's partially so high because we just can't keep up with them (laughs) all the time. But there are most intimate secrets, Kristen. There are vaginas. Why are we leaving them behind? And on that note, let's read some listener mail. Well, I've got an email here from Layton, and this is in response to an older podcast we did on whether or not kids need a mother and a father. 
And Leighton writes, I'm 13 years old and I love listening to your podcast. Thank you, Leighton. My mom is a single mom and I spend 98% of my time with her. I do go visit my father every other weekend for two days, but I go to private school and I get the best education possible, all thanks to my mom. While my dad helps out, I live a very good life just with my mom. She does the work of two parents with the energy of one. She does a very good job all by herself. To make a point, I believe that any kid will be raised correctly, whether by gay lesbian one two or 16 parents i love your podcast very much and i hope that you can read this on your next podcast thank you well thank you layton so perspective from 13 year old and i have one here from emily about the uh difference on weight loss between men and women that we did recently Mm -hmm. she writes i am a nurse and it is my understanding that women's body fat can be protective as we age because if and when we become sick our outcomes will be less severe if we have some extra reserves the body does become as malnourished and will heal faster due to our ability to survive longer with adipose tissue. Also, if we are seeking calories to heal, we won't metabolize our muscle tissue. As you said, we don't tend to stop gaining weight until about 70. This is all in the design. I just thought I would share that with you because in some ways we ought not to fear fat as we age. Very true. Indeed. Well, if you have some thoughts to share with us, send us an email. It's momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or you can share it with us and other listeners on our Facebook and Twitter. Then finally, you can head over to our blog. It's also called Stuff Mom Never Told You. And you can find it at howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?